One thing about pastor's sermons, there was one that he just recently finished called Rest. How to just back up a little bit and begin to see what's going on in life. But somehow it just kind of kept ringing in my own spirit, something that I want to share today, and I hope it helps because sometimes rest is not rest. And when is that? When is rest really not a rest? You know, they talk about people about saying, well, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. Well, that's probably uh, an interesting idea, but the only problem is when you turn over a new leaf, you find out you're still in the same old book. And what has to happen is, as trilogy has often been heard or saying or pastor saying, and we as a congregation, we need to write some new stories, totally different, completely different from anything. Don't you love the, uh, what's it called, the home shop? No, 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 Hallmark, there we go. I mean, they're all the same. Doesn't matter what story is written, it comes out exactly the same. It's not going to change. And what are you doing here? And all of those wonderful things. I mean, it's all the same. And so often our life gets that way. We can take vacation after vacation. We can do all kinds of things that seem exciting and rewarding. You can go on a cruise. You can spend a lot of time. But when you get back home, it's all going to hit you again. And so what has to happen, there has to come a totally different kind of rest, which I call a renewal, a complete change, a transformation that takes place inside of us. We must get our priorities right. It's not the outside that really matters. It's the inside. And often we spend more time on the outside, taking care of the outside, than we do on the inside. Now, a few years back, there was a song that said, Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. I don't know if any of you heard it or not, but this is the whole theme of what I want us to do today is to understand, you know, where am I? Who am I? Am I really at peace? Am I really at rest? Or is my life still just a knot of all kinds of feelings and frustrations and everything else? Can I really trust God to do it right? For without renewal, there can be no rest. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23 says, Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. I don't like that particular word at the end of it, attitude, because it means I have to straighten up how I react to situations and what I do. Because I can think a lot of things, but... When I react in a way that is improper, I am needing a renewal. Psalms 103.5 says, He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagle. Isaiah 40.31, But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. I'm sure that all of you are very familiar with all of the meanings of the eagle, and perhaps I've even shared it maybe in Sunday school class, but there is so much of this that in the Bible with regard to the eagle, I thought it might be interesting to look at it because the eagle is, of course, the symbol of our United States, meaning its prowess, its strength, 
certain abilities that go way beyond that of the average bird that flies, has a unique ability to do a lot of things that we as humans cannot do. But in fact, an eagle can see a rabbit at a two-mile distance. Amazing, their eyesight. They can spot it, and they begin to zero in. They begin to move toward it. Uh, Philippians 3, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verses 14 through 15 says, I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. So let's keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us, if any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. We have to zero in on what is really important in life. To be able to see, to be able to go way beyond all of the things that we have counted so important in life. I think that Solomon, probably one of the most uh, known individuals, even outside of Christianity for his wisdom, was a man who lost sight of what God was doing. And at the very end of his life, we find these words in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 9. The Lord was very angry with Solomon, for his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had, a, had appeared to him twice. Can you imagine God appearing to any of us even once? I mean, that physical ability to see and know this is God. I know that we've heard the voice of God. We understand this kind of thing. But a man who had had this opportunity still couldn't keep his eye on what God had called him to do and to be in life. Everything else began to distract his attention. He began to build uh, temples to the gods of the, his wives and all of these kinds of things until he completely lost what God was doing. We need to be able to understand that God wants us to have clear eyesight. We must be able to focus in on a rabbit at two miles away. <laughs> the thing that is really going to produce life in us and help us to be overcomers. Now, one of the ways that the rabbit or the eagle is able to secure this rabbit is because on his beak, now some I've looked in the internet and some say this is not really how it is, and others say it really is how it is, so I'm going to go with how it is, okay? Some, but they say that an eagle has a ridge on his beak right here, much like on a rifle, and it is able with that to zero in on the prize or the rabbit, and they just zoom. And if you've ever watched them and had the opportunity to watch an eagle do that kind of thing, it is amazing. They fall like a bullet. And it does not matter how much the goal for or the rabbit moves, the eagle is able to adjust as immediately as the rabbit does and able to find it. And uh, when the... Eagle finally gets there. The, the uh, rabbit now it doesn't have any hope at all unless the eagle has not been 
renewed. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about this a little bit later. But there are often times we see the prize. We know where it is. We know what we've got to do. But we let so many, many things uh, distract our attention from the goal. Life has a way of just absolutely getting in the way of life, <laughs> the spiritual life, the things that really count. We're only here for a short time, and then God has a whole lot more planned that we cannot even really begin to understand in its fullness. The Holy Spirit is revealing to us through faith exactly that we are moving to something much better, but we need to take God's Word as being our target and to devour it. But one of the biggest problems that we have with, with life is our beak, uh, mouth. So often it gets in the way of living right. It says in, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 15, But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. How many times in life do we wish we could have pulled back the words we said? They begin to disturb. They begin to calcify. They begin to harden our beak. Have you met anybody that says, seems like that every word that comes out of their mouth is harsh and bitter and seems to have no filter whatsoever, just constantly there with all of this kind of thing. But this is what the Bible is talking about. You know, we can, we can try to, to rest on the outside, but until a renewal happens in here in our heart, the things that come out of our mouth are generated from the heart. For where the heart is, there we begin to also begin. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Ephesians 4.29 says... Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear. One thing that is so important is speaking the word. Seriously. You know, we need to understand it well enough to be able to put it into our language and our life, out of our mouth, needs to come the proclamation of who he is, what he's doing for you, the testimony. If you read the Bible, one thing over and over and over, Jesus kept telling them, but you will be my witness. <clears throat> you will be my representative. You will be my ambassador. You will be the one that people are going to watch and out of what you say and what you do, people will begin to find life in abundance and life that is helpful. But the things of the flesh bring death, but the, the spirit brings life. How many of you have heard about Eat the Book and you're following it? Isn't that great? Read through the Bible in one year, Eat the Book. If we keep the Word of God as our focus and our place that we're going to be, we need to know what the Word says. I think I said last time when I preached, when you don't know what to do, read the manual. It's that simple. 
The Bible can tell you every single thing you need because the Holy Spirit begins to reveal in us a very special mindset that is totally transformed from what the world is wanting our mind to be. We have to get hold of our mind and make it respond to the Holy Spirit. So this eagle's beak is therefore sighting in. But no matter how well the eagle sees things, and whether the ridge is exactly right with what it's supposed to be, and he's got it zeroed in, there's another thing that affects the eagle's ability to catch the prize. And that's ruffled feathers. Sometimes an eagle, for whatever reason, may bump into a, a bush while zeroing in, one single feather out of place will cause the eagle to miss the mark. Can you imagine? I mean, everything has to be right in line. And if that, that feather is twisted, turned, sticking out at all, it begins to throw his entire trajectory off until he is not able to catch the rabbit. And so pretty soon, he's not able to eat. Ephesians 4.31 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Colossians 3.8-10, and I have a lot of scripture. The more I work on sermons like this, it just seems to pile in more and more and more scripture. But when I'm normally preaching every Sunday, I just thought, well, I can wait till next week on that one. So there's not quite so much. So I hope you don't get tired of listening to the word today, because this is basically where I'm finding all of the information coming from. Colossians 3, 8 through 10 says, but you know better now. So make sure it, it's all gone for good. Bad temper, irritability, meanness, profanity, dirty talk. Don't lie to one another. You're done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you stripped off and put in the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item in your new way of life or in your closet is custom made by the Creator with His label on it. All the old fashions are now obsolete. Have you ever noticed how it became quite popular to have the brand of the shirt or the clothes on the outside. And we begin to feel all important because my brand, well, look at this. I mean, this is, I shop at the best stores. I've, I've got the best kind of shirt. I've got the best kind of whatever it may be, purse or does it not matter, just so that it has the brand showing and this is what our life has got to be. We have got to recognize that it is the brand that God has given to us. Every single one of us are different. And God has custom made for each of us special clothing. I can't wear yours. You can't wear mine. It doesn't work that way. God has called us to be the individual that he needs. And we must 
perfect in our life, getting rid of all the stuff that begins to accumulate and cause problems and difficulties. And before we know it, our entire life has completely been turned around. We are no longer finding ourselves at peace. We are no longer happy. Things are going badly. We find ourselves in turmoil, and we can't seem to get rid of all of those kinds of feelings that constantly distress us. We often get caught up also with church fads. Isn't it interesting how fads come and go? I mean, even to hairstyle and what's supposed to do and what's right. I've been through the church fads. Don't get lost in church fads. I hope I'm not annoying anybody. But, you know, there was a time when everybody was supposed to be having holy laughter. And I'm not opposed to holy laughter, but when you get everybody to working toward it, and I was even in a church where they were barking like dogs. Somehow this was supposed to have been something the Holy Spirit was doing in their group that they were there. Amazing kind of stuff. Don't get caught in the things that begin to distract your attention from the goal that God has for you. Don't get your feathers ruffled. Don't let things begin to happen that begin to disturb you. But one thing that we can do is we have to get hold of the prize. When the eagle, everything is aligned, his eyes are sharp, he's got his beak in working order. Everything is, I mean, that, that ridge is just perfectly thin right there, and he zeroes in. There are no ruffled feathers. He is able to grab hold of the prize, but he can also drop it. If his claws are no longer sharp. Because with time and all of the stuff that goes on, the claws begin to calcify, as does the beak of the eagle. And it begins to make him miss the mark. But when he finally hits the mark and can't lift it off the ground because the claws have become so thick and heavy that. It, he's unable to do anything about it. Then he begins to miss the things that are going to give him life. Now, I'm glad Pastor's not here um, because I'm right now I had to run an errand. But anyway, um, we need to get hold of salvation lest we let it slip. I, was, I got thinking about this. You know, Pastor's been putting the ball in our glove. You know. It's kind of like the Cubs. You can put the ball in their glove and they're still going to drop it. <laughs> oh, I hope he's not listening. But anyway, <laughs> he's been pitching it right in there. I mean, it's, it's dead center. And, and those who don't know it, Pastor is a Cubs fan. But anyway, since he's not here, I can just say what I want to. But I mean... <laughs> But the thing that of it is we often, I mean, we, we get there and, and yet we completely drop the ball. We aren't able to hang on to what we have been handed, really, by the Holy Spirit, this gift that God has given to us to be able to zero in and be able to know exactly where we ought to go. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and 14, uh, 14 says, Keep your eyes open. Hold tight to your convictions. Give it all you've got. Be resolute and love without stopping. Wow. So important. 
that we maintain this ability to, to uh, hold tight. Joshua 23, 8 says, hold tight to God, your God, just as you've done up till now. A lot of times our beak has gotten us in trouble. We've widened that little narrow strip there that's supposed to guide us. We begin to miss the mark. We get our feathers ruffled. And I, we worked with the Apache in the early years of ministry. They would come and say, but she looked at me some way. I don't know what that was, but, you know, just my feathers are ruffled. You have annoyed me. You have bothered me. Kind of like roosters. You know, they fluff up their feathers to make them look big and all this kind of stuff when they're going to get into a fight with somebody. Don't get your feathers ruffled. Keep them smooth so that you can sail to the purpose which God has placed before you. Hold tight to God. But unless the eagle renews, it will die. If the eagle does not eat, it will die. If you do not eat God's word and let it bring life to you, you will die. When we consume what the world gives to us, it brings death. But when we consume what the book gives to us, the word of God, it begins to produce life in us. We begin to be renewed. We begin to be revitalized. We begin to become something that we were not before. One thing that the eagle normally does is begins when it's in its prime is to hunt for places in the highest points of the mountain possible where in the future it can go to for refuge. And they try to find a spot or a crack or a crevice in the rock where there is water available. And when they finally come to this place and they recognize, I have got to be renewed before I die. Then they soar as high as they can into these cliffs in areas where they have found ability to sustain themselves. And there they began a process that is painful. One of the first things that they do is they, pulled out, they pull out their ruffled feathers. I mean, can you imagine just pulling one hair out of our head can cause us to yelp. <laughs> but pulling out feathers, live feathers, simply because it's twisted and has caused us to lose our way and our life is no longer zeroing in on what God wants. So often we have to get a hold of these things and really remove them from our life. So the eagle pulls out all of the bent feathers, all the ruffled feathers, everything that's causing problems. And then <coughs> there in the crevice it will hide. Exodus 33, 22 says, I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand. When you're there, be assured God is going to be protecting you. Because another thing that the eagle has to do is he has to get rid of those claws that have just absolutely been failing. They're no longer able to grab hold of the word. The word is not something that they began to... Uh, understand anymore. They begin to let it slip. 
But when they begin to allow themselves to begin to renew, they bite off each of one of these claws, and then they have to take their beak and smash it on the rock and keep smashing until it finally breaks off. But underneath, feathers are growing. Little claws are already there. They were forming already. But if they don't take them off, the new ones can't grow. And when they smash off their beak, there's a very small little beak beginning to grow. And there begins one of my favorite words, waiting. Don't you just love to wait? <laughs> How many times in the Bible does it tell us wait on God? Mm. Now, let's, let's do that from, from two meanings. One is we're waiting for him, but we're also waiting on him. I mean, we are serving him in the process, okay? We are not just, God, okay, it's all me here. Now you've got to, to wait on me. I need to wait on God. I need to be able to do what I can with what God has given to me and not make excuses for why I am not involved in reaching the lost of my world. We can easily come up with a thousand ideas and our life is so full and we've got so many things going on and this and that and pretty soon we find ourselves we're no longer hitting the mark. We're no longer finding ourselves strong and powerful in God, but we become weaker and weaker and weaker with time until it seems like everything in life ruffles our feathers and annoys us, and we can no longer devour the Word with an anticipation of being filled and, and, and renewed. We can no longer hold on to the prize of eternal life. We're letting everything drop around us. And we find out that suddenly our life is an upside-down mess. This is why renewing is as important as resting. This waiting on God has to come into the picture. You can take the largest, the longest cruise in the world. You can spend all of your life there being pampered and waited on. But until you are renewed, when you get off the boat, you're still at the same place you started. Any of you ever had hamsters? Boy, they'd love to get in those wheels and just run and run and run and run. And when they stop, where are they? Right where they got on. <laughs> and often in our life, we find ourselves running in these massive circles. And when we get done, we're still right where we were. Psalms 27, 14 says, wait on the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait on the Lord. Psalms 37, 9 says, but those who wait on the Lord will inherit the land or will win the prize. Waiting on God in our life is something we need to do consistently. In Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, and this is a little bit long, but it, I think it gives us a little bit better of an idea. Once when he, Jesus, was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, <coughs> John baptized with water, 
But in just a few days, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Are you listening? We're moving to something very important in the renewal. So when the, the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore the kingdom? Oh, they were patient, weren't they? Kept on. God, when are you going to do this? Huh? God, what, what's going on? Hey, when, when, when? It's my turn now. When, you know, uh, it, it's me. You know, I've asked and you haven't responded yet. What's, what's going on here? You know, sometimes we get the idea that God is just standing there with a bag full of tricks and whatever, and he just, as soon as you ask, he just pulls it out and gives it to you. Don't get caught in that concept and idea that God is somehow there to do as you command. When we do as God commands, God pays attention to us. But until we get to that place, we're not going to be able to make it happen. He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They are not for you to know. About two years ago, I started a, what I thought would be an outline to a sermon. Kind of, it, and I based it on driving an automobile comparing it to the Christian life. And um, several things that go into that, and I'm not here to preach it this morning. The longer I've worked at this, it's become a series. It can't be preached in one Sunday. I must have about 13 or 14 points by now. But Heather Glover, who unfortunately has to work almost all Sundays right now, thank the Lord they're giving her a new job that's going to give her much more flexibility and so we're going to be looking forward to having her with us again. But her job has been crazy. As a lot of you understand, with all this COVID stuff, many companies are requiring hours way beyond anything you can imagine of their employees. But one of the things that um, Heather mentioned, too, to add to this was road rage. Thank you, Heather. I've added that to my, my outline, you know, avoid all this kind of stuff the road rage that can happen. But what Jesus was telling them, hey, guys, you stay in your lane. Don't you just love it when people are always switching lanes without signaling, without doing anything, just blah, 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 jumping around all over the place. They can't seem to get their, their act together and just stay in their lane. He said, guys, it's not for you to know. The disciples asked Jesus one time, well, what about John? Jesus said, hey, guys, stay in your lane. If I want John to live till I come back, that's my business. It's not yours. And when we begin to pay attention to our business and do what God has asked us to do, life is going to take on a whole different kind of meaning and change for us. But here's the crux of all of this that is so important. But you will receive renewal. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There is a massive amount of beautiful uh, power that comes when we allow the Holy Spirit to operate in us. It's a completely different way of life. 
Spirit-led, spirit-directed, spirit-anointed life is different from the average mundane. There's an excitement. There's a thrill. There's something that takes place inside of us when it is spirit-guided. When we are carnally guided, we find ourselves suddenly unable to find the prize, the peace, the joy, the happiness. I mean, all of the things that the Bible talks about as being fruit of the Holy Spirit in our life, we're finding ourselves to constantly be annoyed, uh, people get in our way, and things begin to happen until we are no longer able to fulfill the purpose. One of the questions you need to ask, why did God make you? What for? What's the reason? Did he have a plan? Are you an accident? Were you the product of a meeting in a dark alley one night? Or does God have a plan for your life? When we begin to understand that there is a prize that God has set before us, we begin to understand what Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Suddenly begin, oh, this is why God made me. This is why I have the body I have. This is why I have the hair I or don't have. Uh, but <laughs> David, I'm sorry. But anyway, uh, <laughs> at least he's got some here. But anyway, the thing of it is we often, we often look at, at all of the outward man when we need to be focusing on what's inside of us. Why did God make you as an individual? You are not an accident. God has a design and a plan for you. And when we begin to find out what it is by changing, letting him change the way we think, and we suddenly are finding ourselves thinking on those things which are pleasing to God, then he will begin to reveal it to us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become, become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. That'd be great. Suddenly realize, hey, I'm free of all of the things that held me down. I can soar like an eagle. I think there was a saying, how can you soar like eagles when you have to work with turkeys? Something like that, or live with turkeys. But, I mean, yeah. Have you ever seen a, an e a, a turkey fly? Oh, my goodness. What a clumsy mess. Even wild turkeys just can't do it right. But an eagle knows how to soar. Lift way above. All of the stuff that's going on down below. And keep his eye on the prize that's there. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 22 through 24 says, Since then we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything connected with that old way of life, has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. And then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into, into your conduct as God ac uh, accurately produces his character 
in you. Wouldn't it be neat if people could confuse you for Jesus or God? They go, wow, man, that person just acts just like Jesus did. Be amazing, wouldn't it? Suddenly have that ability to let people know, okay, in this person there's peace, there's tranquility, there's something about them that is so different, something I need. They found something that I can't seem to grab hold of, I can't seem to find, I can't be able to see. And when we begin to find ourselves missing the mark, we need to be able to go back to the very beginning and let the Holy Spirit work through us. They say that one of the things that when the eagle is finally renewed, the beak has regrown, the claws are back, the feathers are in place. They say one of the most incredible sounds that people that uh, study these eagles say is the cry that they make when they fly out of the cave. They said it's just chilling, that victory shout, I'm new again. And this is why I believe it is important that we shout it loud to our world, I am new again. I'm restored. I'm renewed. My mind is in the right place. My hands are helping people. My mouth is no longer hurting. My mouth is declaring God's word. I am doing everything I can with my life to be able to honor the God who called me. Colossians 3, verses 12 through 15. So, chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place. Now the Cubs should be content. Uh, but quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the Master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic, all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Let the peace of God, of Christ, keep you in tune with each other. That's why the church is so important. It is absolutely imperative that we gather together. But one of the things that is important that... Um, Dealing with each other, in step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. And cultivate thankfulness. I use a lot of the message translation for those that are interested to know why it's a little different from the regular one. But the main thing is to understand that when we are in tune with each other, when we are following God, when we begin to find out that we're tense and anxious and worried and, and we just can't seem to get hold of anything, this is when we need to let the Holy Spirit give us a, a complete going over and we will hurt from it. It is not pleasant to smash off your beak. It's not pleasant to jerk off your claws and pull out your feathers. But the Holy Spirit has to sometimes take us well, like parents to the woodshed, if any of you remember that old term. I know it can't be done today, but the Holy Spirit still does it to those. God said, I still discipline those that I love, and those who love me, I'll straighten them out. And boy, he does it, and he can. 
But we know that God has called us for purposes that are yet so important in every single area of life. And so if you're in a, what you call a mess, and life just seems to have lost all of its zest and excitement and thrill, and it seems like every time you try to do something, it just fails and you can't grab hold anymore to the promises of God. You can't hold on to them. Because sure, if something happens, let it all drop. And I want to encourage you, let God take you to the secret place, to the high crags in the rock. He'll give you plenty of water, water from the Word, keep you alive. And it may be a trying time because you're going to be hungry and you're going to want something that you can't get. But just wait on the Lord. He said, I'll keep you safe. I'll keep you protected. I'm not going to let the devil get you while you're vulnerable. While you don't have any way to defend yourself. And you're sitting there just waiting. God said, I'm going to put my hand over the cave. Over the cliff in the rock where you're hiding. And this is where God just helps us. To get rid of it all. To begin to realize God's got a bigger plan for me than I ever, ever could have understood or known. I'm only half of what I should be. I need to be a full of God's power and his authority. Recognize that the infilling of the Holy Spirit is an important part of the Christian journey. I mean be filled with the Spirit, over and over in the New Testament. We understand because Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit in a unique and wonderful way. He is going to infill you. He's going to empower you. He's going to cause your beaks to be broken off, and you're going to be testifying of me. You're going to be doing miracles. You're going to be laying hands on the people who are sick, and you're going to see them uh, recover. You're going to be giving words. You're going to be doing things that just absolutely astound everyone. You're going to be able to zoom in. You're no longer that person that's constantly irritated and ruffled and and you can't get a hold of what anything that God is wanting to do. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. You've heard it over and over again, but listen to it again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life in faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. He has a lane for you. Stay in it. Don't worry about John. Don't worry about anybody else. You keep running. Don't give up. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from the sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. None of us have even come close to enduring what Christ did. 
all the abandonment, all of the stuff he went through, and yet considered it unimportant that he could win the prize. Keep your eye on the goal. Don't give up. Don't change direction. Don't let anything that happens in your life, I don't care whether it's people or things or, or work or anything else, don't get out of sorts with what God is doing through you. Allow him to perfect in you. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, my last scripture for this morning. So we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside it often looks like things are falling apart on us, on the inside, where God is making you life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. He'll keep you new. Sometimes we may have to do some daily <laughs> coming back to renewal. God, I said it wrong today. I bit. I crunched. I hurt. I didn't do the things I should have been doing. So, God, I'm asking you to help me. I'm ready to wait and let your spirit renew in me a right spirit, a, a way that God can make it happen. Don't lose sight of the goal. And if you're here this morning and you find that life is just losing all of its enjoyment, its zest, its excitement, renew. You can do it here this morning. We can pray with you. I think it'd be great if we all stood together right now. And I'd like to ask you to do something for me, and I would like to ask you to, come on, stand up. I'd like for you to, at least to the person beside you, I'd like for you to pray for them, if you would do that. Ask God to anoint them and bless them. If you've got two people beside you, grab both of them. Pray over them. Ask God to keep them and keep them strong, their eyes on the prize, their life sharp in Jesus Christ. Father, I'm so glad that you this morning brought us into this place where your spirit can work in us, where your spirit can give us new life. For God, we have missed the mark so often and we need to come back to understanding the fact that you have already given to us everything we need to be completely renewed and restored. May your Holy Spirit be so powerful in us that people around us begin to wonder how do they live through these kinds of circumstances and still have the joy of the Lord. Now, God, I know that you have healed our hearts and our bodies and our minds. But God, let us be the kind of person that you called us to be. We can't be anybody else. You've singled us out. And God, where I've got my feathers ruffled, I pray that you'll help me pull them out. Let my mouth speak your word. May my hands bring peace and healing. May I always grab hold of your word and your power. And I'll give you praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're moving towards Thanksgiving. Above all, be thankful. Let God bless you.